Welcome to How to Decorate from Ballard Designs, a podcast all about the trials and triumphs of decorating and redecorating your home. Each week, we'll help you unleash your inner decorator. I'm Caroline, and I'm on the marketing team. And I'm Taryn, and I'm a product designer. And I'm Liz. I head up the Ballard creative team. We're your host. Join the expert team at Ballard Designs for tips, tricks, and tales from interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world. Plus, we'll answer a listener question at the end of each show. So don't forget to send them to podcast at ballarddesigns.net. Yes, we love answering them. Now on with the show. All right. So we have a treat for you today. We have award-winning design duo, Jamie Drake and Caleb Anderson of the design firm Drake Anderson. You've seen their iconic work in all of your favorite shelter magazines. They're on the 8100 list, El Decor's A-list, and have received the highest awards and accolades in the industry. They're known for their luxurious and sophisticated residential and commercial spaces that are fearless and bold. Plus, they are releasing their first book this month with Rizzoli aptly name bold the interiors of drake anderson jamie and caleb thank you so much for joining us welcome to the show thank you for having us we're thrilled to be here yes thank you where to start with a book is the challenge because there's it's it's beautiful there's so many projects i also loved just the first two projects in the book are polar opposites one is very contemporary beautiful sweeping views the other is like delicious lux in in london historic property meticulously restored so how did you even get started working on the book with such a range of projects how did you pick the projects you wanted to focus on and give us the genesis of the book doing a book has always been a dream of mine jamie had done a book years ago prior to our partnership and when we started the project A couple of years ago, we were really wanting to create a book that showed projects that we had done together and to show the breadth of our work. And as you said, there are projects that are very contemporary. There are projects that are very traditional. But I think even within the different styles, what we have is commonality of language. So within the book, there's different themed essays and different themed references to adjectives, if you will, of of words that describe our work. And so those adjectives generally see references of each of within the within each project. I think the thing that really strikes me about and the thread that maybe goes through each one of the pieces, the houses that you have worked on, is that every single piece in every single home is almost sculptural, very thought out. Definitely. I think your comment on the pacing that we have start with something that's much more contemporary, move to something that's much more that is traditional. And then, because we wanted to keep a variety of movement as you thumb through the book and looked at the pages and devoured them, hopefully deliciously. But the common threads are that even our contemporary pieces and work is informed with history and has great luxurious comfort. And our traditional work, and there are a few projects in the book that are virtue of the traditional, if not outright traditional, always include contemporary pieces. We don't get locked into a time frame. We have a consistent vocabulary that we use, whatever the style. I think that one of the things that we do well and that you see a lot of in the book also is while pieces themselves can be a statement piece or they're beautiful or unique in their own, whenever we are creating an interior, what we do is find a commonality of language and how these pieces live together and how they marry together. And that's the story of the room, of the interior, is how these pieces connect and finding ways to do that, even if one is a traditional piece and one is a contemporary piece, or one is more organic and natural and one is more 
polished and contemporary, finding ways to connect and creating a dialogue between these different elements and pieces and materials is something that, that we do and enjoy doing in our projects and I think makes for an interesting and layered room. I would love to dig a little deeper in that because I think that's probably where a lot of people struggle. You choose these very bold, I'm probably going to be use, overusing that word throughout the, this episode, but you know, you use so many bold elements, but you've blended them together so seamlessly that it's almost as though when you're looking at the room as a whole, it's one statement, but then as you zero in on different elements, they are, could stand alone because they are strong or sculptural or beautiful color or something. And I'm wondering what your thought process looks like trying to create that vernacular that you're talking about. I, like you, I thought your apartment was a great example because it was like this beautiful pre-war apartment, but then it had these modern elements too. Maybe that's a good example. You could talk about how you blend those bold elements together. Yeah, I think it's all about balance. And again, it's about finding commonalities, whether it's in a shape. Uh, a traditional classical antique chair can have a similar shape as a contemporary sofa style. Finding those different reference points, and not that they are, they can be subtle. It doesn't have to be cheesy or cliche. These can be subtle things that connect in the line or form of a piece or the color or the texture. Jamie and I both, we describe creating a room or an interior it's like a painting you have a little bit of this and you have that stroke and you have a bit of that color here and you're ultimately wanting to create this beautiful composition and each line and each stroke plays its role it's really just finding a wonderful language to connect all of these things and to marry all of these things and it's also for me when i was creating my apartment I love traditional antique classical things, but I also love contemporary things. And having that mix and finding ways to combine those pieces was a lot of fun. And I think it makes for a really interesting interior. Certainly, I think that we, as much as looking at commonality, the contrasts in life are so enriching as well. And that juxtaposition of a contemporary thing against something more rooted in history or an antique makes both of them more intriguing and richer. And shows us about a continuum of which is so provocative. I think about having things that have a variety of texture and tone, just the way life, you wouldn't want to eat the same meal night after night. One night you might want something that's French, and another night something that's Chinese, and another night something that's more Italian, or life itself. It's not all belly laughs or tragic tears. And I think when you compose something, you can think in terms of variety can be very exciting and dynamic. Do you feel like that's that fear? Is, is that where the fearlessness, I guess, comes from in your work, that com combination of disparate elements? I think the fearlessness comes from deep inside Caleb and my bones. <laughs> it probably is really honestly somewhat just inherent in our DNA and our design DNA, but it's not without discussion. Often you can we can have a... a, a conversation about does this really work together? Could it be more contrasting? Could we be bolder? Because I think for those of us wanting to sort of design muscles, what, like where do we start in in being more fearless? Because you, you mentioned, and you both obviously have so much experience and practice, and you really have this sort of gut check of what works and what doesn't. Are there any sort of suggestions you think about how, starting to train, I guess, your eye in being able to make bold decisions, but in a thoughtful way. I think that it's before you ha have to worry about training your eye, you need to exercise your brain and think about what do I really love? 
What's my favorite color? What color flatters me? Open your closet door. What is there the most of? And then apply that to your schemes, the way you're putting things together and think of it that way. Not everybody wants to live in high glamour. Certainly farmhouse and country and beach and shore are all valid. Not everybody lives in an urban center. There's different definitions of bold and there's different ways to be bold and finding a way that works for you and that is authentic to you is important. And whenever we're working with clients, we certainly try to understand and assess what that means for them, even though it often means we're pushing them a bit to be more bold or to make other considerations. One key thing for me in terms of bold is doing things that are unexpected, doing things that you're not seeing everywhere else or you're doing them because they feel like a trend, but playing, having fun and playing with ideas and pieces and doing things in ways that you might not expect to see. And I think that's where these interesting pairings and combinations and juxtapositions comes into play, is just trying to do things that are unexpected. That's why we called the book Bold, The Interiors of Drake Anderson. And to come up with the title of a book that, that you poured so much into, and that's revealing so much about what we do, the challenge. And when we really boiled it down to the one word, bold, it made perfect sense to So I have a question about the people that you're creating interiors for. Are they as bold as you make them out to be? Or are you pushing them into these realms where they're feeling more comfortable being bold? I think it's a bit of both. We certainly have clients that we do push. And if we have a concept that we are very confident is right, we certainly advocate for it. On the other hand, we do have some clients that you have to rein in because it, it is a balance. I think we work with a bit of, of both types. Certainly we do have a large proportion though of clients who are self-made people and they tend to be bold, decisive decision makers. Um, not always, but it makes sense that they might be. And we do have some who absolutely are. We have other clients who we've worked with so often on multiple residents who build that dialogue. They allow you to go maybe bolder than they might expect. Do you, how do you balance the room's strength? Because again, talking about this bold element and how to put this in our home, do you feel like each room you're building has the same level of bold and strength as you continue through a home? Or are you making subtle places that are a little softer, if that makes sense? I think that an entire home can have a variety of experiences and some rooms might naturally be softer like a, a bedroom. I think that the one thing we don't do, and I think that there's a danger zone, is having only one bold note me. So if you have, you're doing a whole scheme and the scheme is more timid or tranquil, just to have one giant bold note, I think feels jarring. It needs mm -hmm. to be balanced. Yeah, I think in, in a typical project or a home that we're doing, there is like a beautiful flow or choreography. And again, there's these sort of subtle references. In the first project in the book, as you're coming off entering the elevator vestibule, there's this pair of gorgeous doors that we had commissioned that were inspired by a screen that Jamie came across and they're made out of bronze and obsidian and quartz. But the patterning on that door 
is referenced in the living room rug and in this inlay that we have in the foyer floor. Again, it's not deliberate and noticeable, but these kind of bold gestures find their places throughout the home. And that kind of thing does give it a great cohesion. Again, as Caleb said, it's not noticeable on first glance and maybe never noticeable to somebody, but it is a thread. Do you feel like the, a lay person should be bringing those through lines into their home, whether it's a color or a texture or something like that, and that will help them achieve the, yeah, the cohesion that you're talking about? I think it's about being intentional. I think it's about being intentional with your choices and your ideas and the pieces that you're bringing in and doing it in a way where it doesn't feel like you're shopping for your home in one fell swoop, but certainly having establishing these sort of core concepts of how you're going to make these references. For example, if you want to have this sort of contemporary traditional mix, how are you doing that? How are you balancing that out? Maybe in one room you have a few more traditional pieces, but you don't want to walk in the next room and it be completely contemporary. It could be maybe a vase on the table in that room something. And I'll use my apartment as an example of that. The lighting, for example, in the living room, first of all, there's contemporary lighting throughout with the kind of more traditional anti-crystal fixtures. In the living room, I have sconces on the fireplace mantle. When you walk into the dining room, the sconces are contemporary, but I have an anti-crystal chandelier. When you go into the bedroom, I had a pair of anti-French girondole lamps wired and they're my bedside lamps. When you go into the bathroom, there's contemporary sconces, and then there's a 1960s vintage Murano glass chandelier. It looks eclectic, but that was intentional in how I balanced that out. It's There's a tempo. Exactly. What I find fascinating is that you're not afraid of a big statement piece with a big chandelier, but that's not the only statement piece that you have in a room. So even though your rooms tend to lean maybe a little bit more contemporary, they don't feel cold. They feel like everything's in conversation with each other. And then there are so many natural elements and and textures brought into the room. I'm just fascinated with how you find a balance between so many statement pieces in a room. So I, I think we... we talked about choreography and music and tempo. And those are words that probably we don't think of in relationship to interior design. And yet, why not? They relate absolutely perfectly and help create those things that make everything hold together and flow together. But so just like choreography, we like to have the eye connect to things throughout the room. So it may be the finish, that there's a modern hammered brass coffee table, there's antique bronze and a gold tone um, on the frames of a light fixture, there's gilded wood on a chair, and they make your eye dance around the room and connect and it all begins to make perfect sense. So those are the threads that can tie something together. It could be one specific color. Maybe you love raspberry and you have a couple of raspberry pillows and a raspberry bowl and a raspberry lampshade. So again, that keeps your eye moving around the room and gives it cohesion. 
throw pillows for us are hugely important. And those are one of the great ways to connect different corners and vignettes of the room. One suggestion I have for your listeners is if they're playing around with designing a room. I'm a very visual person. I think a lot of people that are doing this are visual people. So I'll make, we make elaborate ones here in the office, but we can more simply either on PowerPoint or even printing out, making a board and just printing things out and seeing visually how they feel together. Oh, that's nice. The arm of that chandelier kind of complements the arm of this dining chair. I wasn't expecting that or that. And to kind of play with it like a puzzle. And you get a visual of kind of how all these things are living together. And that's a helpful process that I think anybody can do rather than just saying, oh, I like that and I like that and I like that. Collaging it and seeing how they feel together visually on paper or on screen is really helpful. I would say that we definitely share the kind of vision where we want every one of our projects, regardless of its style or take, and they are each individualized to reflect the personalities of our clients, to be a beautiful abode and not hodgepodge launch. We do want things to look tight and held together, and it's sometimes subtle. And it's something that we can conceptualize and intellectualize, and it works out perfectly. And Honestly, it probably might be a struggle for somebody else. Well, one, one kind of piece to that magic formula, though, in these interiors that we do, while they are tight and held together, a lot of times we like to throw in something that just makes you be like, that's interesting, that's in there. And it could be in one of the uh, interiors that we have. It's a contemporary project. There's kind of these conversation pieces mixed in these very sleek interiors. And I think those elements of surprise or those unexpected things that I was mentioning earlier are what make it interesting and make people walk in and pause. And we love doing that, finding pieces like that. In our book, The Interiors of Drake Anderson Bold, we have five essays. And they explain a little more in depth about the different component rationales that go into our work. And one of them is witty. And as Caleb says, something that puts a surprise on into your mind, like, what is that? Or why is that here? Maybe puts a smile on your face and creates an intriguing moment. I, okay, I don't know if y'all are TikTok fans. I was watching TikTok recently. And there was this girl who kind of talks about like personal style and trying to realize and understand it. And she was talking about how she gives advice to people to pick the wrong shoe. Put your outfit together and then put on the wrong shoe. Don't pick the expected shoe. Pick the shoe that's unexpected. And I feel like that sort of applies here, what you're talking about. Pick one little thing that's like the wrong thing, but it works. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I feel like it makes the interiors lean more on intrigue and really fascinating people. Like, I want to know what the thread is like why is that piece in the room i love oh, that unexpectedness lot, yeah a lot of times a room can be resolved and you're like oh it's it needs something it needs something to grow it a little bit or make it a little less perfect a little less tight even though we like it tight so we're always looking for those things and those pieces and those layers an example of that could be you could have a room filled with the traditionally elegant fabrics you think we think of it as elegant fabrics satin and silk, gabardine, but maybe you really want to throw in 
something that's hand woven that shows the hand of the artisan that has more lumpy texture because that will just make the others seem that much finer and vice versa. And I just love thinking of your interior as witty. This is just decorating. Obviously, it's a career and you're serious about it. It's your craft, but also it's a room. It's for living. It's not rocket science or brain surgery. And so we got to have fun with it. But I also love tying it back to like performative arts and music. I want a playlist. I want your Spotify playlist. It's very, mine's very eclectic, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Like your work. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I want to know each of your, both of your favorite projects in the book and why. There are definitely aspects of my apartment that I love. That's really challenging for me. I need a minute, Jamie. You go first. So I think as Caleb said, it's like, it's like Sophie's choice. How do you pick your favorite child? Because every project is a favorite for a variety of reasons. And when you're creating it, there might be moments when not everything is together yet, or the construction isn't finished, and you go, what's going on? What do we do? And then it all comes together. And you can sometimes say, yes, that was a conscious decision, knowing that it really wasn't. It was innate, inherent, because we do this, and we have trained eyes, and went to design school. But I would say that if there was one project that is my favorite, it is the, um, what is it called, Georgian Revisited? And there, it really is a total eclectic mix of things from the 18th century ancient Tang horses, Vladimir Kagan 1970s sofas, modern contemporary accessories and crafts and tables, beautiful contemporary art. And I find that very uh, intriguing, witty. I like things that make you think. That was the one with the Liechtenstein, the four-year, yes. with the black and white? Okay, yes. So I'm going to go with the wild card, and that's the house in the woods. It was a very unique project, and it's being there, it was just so amazing. It was I'll never forget, after we did the installation, the clients had a small party, and it started snowing. In fact, some people from our team got stuck in the snow, but it was like being in a snow globe. Just the setting of that house and how the interior is so connected to the exterior, to nature. I love nature. It's so zen. And I love that it's this kind of mid-century style. But the way that we approach the interior, we didn't do this sort of cliche mid-century furnishing, furnish, furniture. And it just worked so well and it felt so good. And I love the connection to the interior and exterior. I wish it was my house. <laughs> it's interesting when we did that, and I think there's a great example of us talking about being intentional. So when we put the fabric schemes together, I think it's helpful to our clients for us to name the colors. It paints the picture. And this was all colors of lichen, moss, loam, walnut, chestnut, earthy things that came from around you. And then even some of the selections, we commissioned a beautiful cocktail table for the living room that it's from a ceramicist and it looks like birch bark. And so we brought the inside exterior in into the interior so perfectly and beautifully. I think it's so interesting how even working with this concept of bold, it can have this sense of quietude and there's such a, a connection and an intentional approach with setting and connection to the setting and appropriateness of place. And I think that project 
really captures all of that while still having some of this commonality of language that you see in our other projects. I imagine that would have been a really hard project in terms of editing. It's almost like it's more important what you didn't put in there because it's there's a lightness and a the, like to your point the exterior is so important because of all the glass walls that you had to pull back some maybe and um yeah ed- ed- editing is definitely can be important and it is a process and certainly in this project there was i feel like there is some level of editing just in terms of our design process with any project but i think going into this project we had such an established mood and approach the kind of tone was already there and it just carried its way through so i guess to that point just leaning into your home and into your space and what may be right for one room or one interior may not be for another this particular client has multiple homes and this one is very different than their other homes because we approached it in that way Okay, we have to we haven't really touched much on color and I feel like we have to. Gosh, I love the colors y'all cho- y'all choose because I they often felt very unexpected. For example, in that London incredible restoration project in London and it was almost like pea green, but it <laughs> looked so glamorous and didn't kind of say pea green and you think like very 70s Brady Bunch or something <laughs> and obviously it was nothing like that. But it just, where did these colors come from? I think we're drawn to colors that are not clearly one thing or another at times and that are not out of the crayon box. They have to have more complexity. Greens that veer towards the blue or towards the yellow. Yellows that veer towards the green. The library guest room in Caleb's apartment. That pea green that you mentioned for the drawing room in the London house just felt like it would be a solid color that was an extension of the entry hall and stairwell. And that color came out of the 18th century mural that we restored and kept intact that's in there. And it is a complexity that as a house of rooms, contained rooms as it would be in an 18th century house, gave us the opportunity to have that that musical moment where you have different numbers. And you come into this historic thing with green, this mossy green and then from there there's a very dark blue small dining room that has a very cobalt inky prussian blue color on it everywhere and then you proceed to the back and there's the larger dining room which is really a shade of white with a chalky off white and it felt like a breath of fresh air in a room that looked out to the garden through a big bay window and then as you move upstairs you have this pea green living room and next to it, a, a library that's again in another shade of off-white. So there are moments of cleansing as contrast to the more intense or deep colors. And then the almost like corals, I felt you used a lot in different projects. Or maybe it was like a coral with more orange here and then a little bit more red here. And yeah, it's not an expected color. It's almost like multiple colors in one. Some of our projects have very calm color palettes, pearl whites with with pale, pale robin's egg blues and things. And others have sharper tonalities, more invigorating colors. And that's often driven by our um, exploration with a client at our initial meetings before we start. Up. What do they relate to? What feels good to them? And most clients... And most people 
if they can't say, what do you like? They can say what they don't like very clearly. And that narrows the field and makes it much easier from the beginning. I want to hear more. I know we're trying to do color, Caroline, and you're very good at staying on task, but I have to hear more and about this London house. Can you tell everyone about it? Because I think being a historic project, it's just so different, again, from this portfolio of a book you have. So we, we do have a historic preservation projects in our joint portfolio, Mm -hmm. heritage projects. And those were really historic preservation projects that required true preservationist tenants. Here in London, dealing with the the landmark laws, they are much more stringent than they are in America. So we live in New York City, and we have the Landmarks Preservation Commission, which is stringent on doing the right things, but on the exteriors. There's very few interiors that have historic preservation status in New York. There are things like the lobby of the Empire State Building. Um, I don't think there's anybody's private residence that has. In London, it's absolutely the case that you have to run anything by both the Historic England and where this was located, the RBKC, the Royal Borough of Kensington and Chelsea, to change anything of a historic nature. So like, for instance, in two of the rooms, the wall paneling, which is old, and of course, a house has a life. It isn't the house exactly as it was built in 1809. It's gone through mutations over the time, but they still respect all that. And the wall paneling was not symmetrical. They were all of different proportions. So we kept that wall paneling, and then right in front of it, built a new wall, with the exact same molding style, but perfectly proportioned. All right. Hello to my favorite podcast host. I heard you need some dilemmas. We built our house while Taryn was building hers. And at this point, my budget is shot. Originally, I had grand plans, streams of wallpaper or applied molding, but it's expensive. Your help would be greatly appreciated with our new entry. It's all painted Benjamin Moore white dove, so it looks slightly creamy in person, and I'm including other photos so you can see my Ballard and the look that I'm going for. What should I do on each side of the front door? What should I do going up the staircase? I'm open to painting, DIY suggestions, whatever you've got. I'm tired of these blank walls. Thank you again, Jamie. But yeah, she she's she wants help with her entryway. So walk in, she's got like a medium tone wood floor and the, that classic entry where there's the staircase on the right, a double height space. She's got a big chandelier in there, but it is all the creamy white color and she wants to spice it up a little bit. What do y'all think? So I note that she has a dark forest green sofa in the adjacent living room great room. And I would think that might be a color clue to start with. Either side of the door, I think, is easy to handle, especially with the resources of Ballard, I would do on both sides flanking a stack of three prints of some sort that all relate. So it would give it scale and texture. And because there is a ceiling break there over the door, you can't go any higher, I would say, than the door frame. But I would go with things that have a decent scale that start at the door frame and maybe come all the way down to about 24 inches above the floor. And so that would make a statement right there. And I think that one idea for 
how do you deal with this vast expanse of of wall that doesn't really say anything that's just awfully white maybe paint is a a easy and cheap fix and maybe you don't even want to go to paint the entire room but we do a lot with benjamin moore it's a great brand we love benjamin moore um pick your fit pick maybe two shades of green from the sofa and why don't you stencil something on the wall that moves up the wall whether it is a flower motif you know good scale birds that fly up the stairs and something that gives you movement and brings your eye up to the second floor and the great height that you have here in this stairwell. So I have another idea for the stairs and then maybe a, a tip. So one thing that I thought could be interesting going up the stairs because I love mirrors is to maybe do a collection of just different sort of collected mirrors, kind of small mirrors, different sizes. Maybe there's a couple of different small antique mirrors. So if you're walking up this, you know how you see a, a, a salon or gallery type installation of art, but a similar concept using different just found mirrors, which could be fun. You could find those anywhere. Maybe it's some of them are from Ballard. Some of them could be sourced from like an antique shop, but just doing an interesting collage or installation of different mirrors could be really beautiful to me. And then just building upon Jamie's comment about three prints being the same, which I think is, which is a good idea, but in a way to do that from a budget perspective and Jamie's mentioning of wanting to have wallpaper, maybe it's actually framing wallpaper. Maybe she could frame some wallpaper panels. I had a client recently who had a really interesting idea of doing that. It was a more contemporary project, but basically taking a panel of an ombre wall covering and cutting it into three sections and then framing it, make an art installation. Why not frame wallpaper and make it art? Best of both worlds. I love that idea. I love yeah. that idea too. There are so many great wall murals out there too, like just with like big wild cranes or like large scale birds or that kind of thing. That could be really amazing if it was a very framed piece. Mm -hmm. I was thinking a lot about, I was thinking a lot about like softness. I love the drapes that she has in her dining and living room there, Ballard, which I obviously we love too, but I was just thinking you need that. You've nailed the softness in those other rooms, maybe like a, and you said your budget is, you're being budget conscious right now. Makes sense. Maybe this is something you do down the road, but adding like a stair runner or something that adds like a softness into the space, I thought could help a lot too, but I, and I love all of the ideas y'all have already mentioned. The floral pattern of the curtains, there's a lot of colors in there. If you could find something that would have brought in a number of the colors with an off-white background would be dramatic again move you up the stairs and would bring all the colors together yeah so, yeah and don't do just sisal do like a pattern or to your point and color it looks like it's a little hard for me to tell in the photo it looks like there may be a skirted table on the or skirted mm-hmm. table on the floor if there is space i would put a bench on the side of the stair like just as another piece of furniture, a bench is always great to have in an entry. You already have a table and that seems like a nice space for it. So that could be a nice addition. Yeah, I think there are things that you can do. We call it value engineering that can have a lot of impact and they don't have to cost a lot of money. The reason I made that suggestion about different size petite mirrors is because 
that wall going up the stairs, it's big. It has a lot of scale. You can achieve scale. You can achieve a look of scale by taking smaller pieces of things and grouping them in a way where it has scale and impact. And it could be something that you build over time or not, but that's one way to achieve a big look is by taking these pieces and doing some sort of installation to achieve the scale needed for that wall. I think a common thread there between my idea and Caleb's idea was both to try and address the entire, try and do something that really that does um, conquer the scale of that wall. Good luck, Jamie. Send us some questions. Your other rooms are looking good, so, you know, you have good instincts. Yes, Jamie, you do. Jamie tells you that. <laughs> Jamie to Jamie. <laughs> All right, Jamie, Caleb, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, pick up your book? So on Instagram, we are at Drake underscore Anderson. And the book can be pre-ordered on Amazon and from a variety of Barnes & Noble, from a variety of booksellers. And I think I misstated the pub date of September 20th. It's actually official now, October 18th. So you'll have to be a little more patient. Find us at one of our book signings. We're going to be in Atlanta and in Dallas and in Savannah before October 18th. And we will, because um, we're on an inside track, have some books that we can sign. And our website is www.drakeanderson.com. <laughs> I may have said one Perfect. too many Ws. <laughs> Just keep going. It's only three. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to be at your book signing in Atlanta, or I will. Uh, yeah. Great. So we'll see you there. Wonderful. And that's our show. You can find all of the show notes on our blog, howtodecorate.com slash podcast. To send in a decorating dilemma, email your questions to podcast at ballarddesigns.net so we can help you with your space. And of course, be sure to follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. And please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Until next time, happy Happy decorating. decorating!